Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Anybody out there ever get angry, irritated? Uh, Do you ever complain or struggle with resentment or bitterness? Yeah, me too. I uh, think about that, those struggles and, and those, uh, those actions and words regularly. And several years ago, I read a book by a guy named David Pallison. David Pallison was a biblical counselor. He wrote many books, and he wrote a book called Good and Angry, right? Good and Angry. Now, if that was all there was with the title, I think, man, what, what does that mean, Good and Angry? But the subtitle is Redeeming, Redeeming, Rescuing, Anger, irritation, complaining, and bitterness. And in one particular chapter, he talks about the fruit, the good fruit of wisdom. Now, when you look at the scriptures, the Bible in the book of Proverbs talks about the way of the foolish and the way of the wise. Really, everything in the book of Proverbs could be distilled down to those two lanes, those two paths, the path of wisdom and the path of of foolishness or the path of the unwise. And David Pallison talks about the good fruit of wisdom. And, and there's several truths that I want to share with you as I think about the reality is how do I redeem, rescue myself from sinful anger? Because we know that there are uh, commands, be angry and do not sin. So anger, anger in many ways, the gift of anger, as a dear friend of mine, Clifton Roth has said, who's the executive director of Crosspoint Ministry in Louisville, Kentucky, and a good friend, a soul care, a coach, a counselor in my life. He's helped me in many, many ways. He says anger can, in many ways, is a good thing because it points to passion. The gift of anger is that you're angry about something, some type of issue or initiative or cause. But in so many instances in your life and my life, anger, irritation, and certainly complaining, right? Do all things without complaining or grumbling we see in Philippians and bitterness, those things can be negative, sinful, and harmful. So how do we rescue those? So here are some, some practices that, that I regularly think about as I'm, as I'm reflecting and trying to manifest a person that wants to think biblically and wants to act and speak biblically. So here's the first one. Are you ready? This one's a little, little jarring. First, uh, keep your mouth shut when you used to blurt out a reaction. Now, I don't know about you, but I regularly have to quietly in the inner workings of my heart say, Nate, be quiet. Listen. Stop formulating a response. I think that's why James says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to what? Say it out loud. Slow to slow to speak. And, uh, and so I think uh, one, of the, one of the ways in which we can exemplify the, the good fruit of wisdom, the path of wisdom, is learning to keep our mouth shut. The Puritans talked about our tongue is um, enclosed with a set of teeth so that we will actually not say the things that we so often think that we need to say. Uh, it's kind of similar to that is, is, is listen. listen. The, the art of listening, I, I just wish... I had learned many years ago in my marriage, and I'm learning it now. I think I'm a much better listener than what I was by God's grace. There's growth in my life. Listening, not just to what people are saying with their words, 
But even listening to what they're not saying, their disposition, their nonverbals, um, and so much of our conversation with our spouses, with our kids, with good friends, colleagues, neighbors, so much of the conversation is is transmitted in nonverbals and in our in our disposition. And so uh, if we can become good listeners, we will exemplify the good fruit of, of wisdom. Um, speak courageously. Um, when you think about engaging with people and exemplifying the good fruit of wisdom, part of that is engaging where you need to engage and, and speaking courageously. Now, for some, this comes easier than others, but if you have a strong identity in Jesus and a commitment to the truth, when you see something or someone that is wrong or that's not helpful, you know, what God desires of us is that we would that we would speak and live and engage uh, with a posture of courage. Again, we're talking about redeeming anger, irritation, complaining, and bitterness, right? And so we get bitter, we complain, we get irritated, we get angry because we don't get what we want or we think that we deserve something or we are entitled. So all of these characteristics, these principles, these maxims speak to how do we, rather than getting rather than getting bitter and complaining and getting irritated and sinfully getting angry, how, how do we exemplify the good fruit of wisdom? Here, here are some other. Embedded in criticism, more often than not, is a sliver of truth. So when people critique you and you want to, your your posture is, your response is, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm upset. Why'd they say that? Why did he do that? Ask the question, is there any truth in what they have said? Is there any truth in what they have said? Another way to rescue, redeem anger, irritation, complaining, and bitterness is to treat people fairly, to treat them graciously, to treat them mercifully, to represent them accurately and recognizably, right? No gross caricatures, right? We, we say in the Millican household, we don't use the word always and never. Uh, you always do that. You, you, you never say that. And, and what you do is you are engaging in character assassination and you're using words and phrases that are not true to reality. So we want to speak words and phrases and characterize people um, accurately, recognizably uh, by treating them fairly and graciously. Um, and, and I've already said this, using words such as always and never are rarely true and invariably are more destructive than constructive. And what we want to do is we want to build people up. In fact, the, there's a word image in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says that love love protects. And, and, and the imagery there, and in this, and this it's, it's in other references in the Bible as well, as well that the imagery is that of kind of putting a roof over someone's head and protecting them rather than exposing them. And words such as uh, never or always are, are rarely true and are invariably more destructive than constructive. Hey, speak calmly. I mean, next, just, just speak calmly rather than with gust of inflammatory emotion. Isn't it amazing if you and I will 
just what I say, the, the maxim of the pause, the principle of the pause. If you'll just pause, reflect, think, like honestly, constructively think about what we are about to say, more often than not, will not speak, speak with these bouts, these gusts of inflammatory emotion. Um, we'll speak calmly, collectively, graciously, frankly, courageously. And so speak calmly, take the pause, employ the principle of the pause. Another uh, discipline or characteristic as we're talking about redeeming anger, bitterness, complaining, and irritation, and this one's hard for me, all right? This one's very difficult for me. Overlook an offense when you used to explode, right? Commit to overlooking an offense when in the past you used to explode. Uh, we see this in the scriptures. Love covers over a multitude of sins, a posture, a commitment to love people. You're, you're not, um, you know, sweeping things under the proverbial rug. What you're doing is you're playing the long game, and there are times where people in my life want to just for every little tit and tat, they want to point at every single thing, and it can be exhausting, they'll, and they'll explode, they'll go angry, they'll get irritated. Like, my goodness, and oftentimes God places people like that in our lives to expose the way in which we are. If you're thinking of a particular person in your life right now, the chances are God providentially and sovereignly has placed that person in your life for the specific purpose to expose some deficiency or sinful affection disposition, action, value in your life that's hiding in your heart, and God is relentlessly committed to exposing that. And so rather than explode, overlook. And uh, that's, that's a discipline that's difficult for me. Uh, a couple more as we're thinking biblically, specifically about how do we redeem our anger, rescue our anger, irritation, complaining, and bitterness. A couple more, um, solve the problem rather than attacking the person. I find it irritating. There I am again, talking about the very content by which I'm sharing. Um, I find it irritating and can be irritating and can complain and I can get angry and I can get bitter when people want to attack and criticize, but they don't solve the problem. So what I need to do is I need to speak courageously, taking some advice that I shared early on, earlier on in this very episode. I need to speak courageously about what they're doing. But my myself, at times, I uh, attack the problem uh, or attack the person rather than really solving the problem. I do this in our, in our marriage with Lauren, and Lauren will do this with me. Rather than attack the problem at hand about what's going on in our marriage, a particular conversation, an issue, a decision we made that maybe wasn't the best, or a parenting problem, a financial issue, something that I missed as I'm, I didn't see her, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't living in a considerate manner. Oftentimes, we will attack the person and not the problem. And one of the things that that Lauren and I regularly say to each other is, we'll say in the in the heat of an argument, she'll say to me. And I'll say to her, hey, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Let's attack the problem 
and let's not attack each other. As you're thinking about redeeming anger and bitterness and complaining and irritation, seek to solve the problem rather than attack the person. Lastly, um, expect to see Jesus work in your own heart and in the lives of people around you. Oftentimes, I don't think that we live with this anticipatory, expectant spirit that Jesus is going to work. He's going to redeem my anger and bitterness and complaining and irritation. He's going to do the same thing around me. And so, um, live expectantly. God can do anything, and he can redeem people who regularly struggle with sinful anger, complaining, irritation, and bitterness. Expect Jesus to work. And I think one of the ways that we should live out that expectation, and I have mentioned this on an earlier podcast, is that we should be people of prayer. An expectation that God will work and a, and, a, and, a, and a cry for dependence, a cry for dependence, a commitment of dependence, a cry for relationship whereby, whereby we are expecting him to work in our own lives and the lives of people. As we're thinking biblically, specifically about rescuing, redeeming anger, irritation, complaining, and bitterness. I hope that served you well. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.